The Homance Chronicles. The female equivalent of a bromance. So many poor choices. But so many good takes. But so many poor choices. <laughs> <laughs> Ready? Ready. Let's do it. Hey, everybody. I'm Sarah. And I'm Nicole. And this is the Homance Chronicles. <laughs> Apparently, that's our 2020 theme song that I, I didn't know about. <laughs> um, but we are pretty excited because we've been on quarantine hiatus. Yes. And we have self-care. Hashtag. Yes. We have come back with a bang for sure. Hashtag I know I said gross. that last time, but I mean it. Well, because this is a double bang. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, so we, we have another uh, Amazing. badass Phenomenal. woman author who's... Incredible who eats on her podcast, doesn't care. Incredible. Right, right. Um, <laughs> So we have another uh, author that we're interviewing that is speaking to our souls mm-hmm. with her latest book. So welcome, Heidi Bushy. Hey, hi, Nicole. Hi, Sarah. I'm hey. Heidi Bushy. I'm so excited to be here. I, um, I'm a speaker, author, and relationship expert. And my first book, Relationship Ready, How I Stopped Fucking Randos and Started Cupcaking My Soulmate, is available on Amazon in paperback, on Kindle, and on Audible. So... I'm thrilled to be here chatting with the both of you. It's so awesome. We're definitely thrilled yes. to have you. Thank you for reaching out. And, you know, in your book, you talk a lot about um, the universe or whatever higher power you want to, like, mm-hmm. give stuff up to, right? And the uh, author that we had in our just previous episode also had this saying where she said, um, things don't happen on time. They happen in time, right? Mm-hmm. I love yeah. that. Yeah. And so Sarah and I decided that we were going to start recording again in September. And then we had her and you both reach out to us. So this is like, yeah, it's the universe kismet in action. You brought the energy with you. Truly is. Oh, I mean, and it's kind of funny because I just randomly, you know, I pitch podcasts a lot and I just random, it's like kind of random how I find them. So you're right. It was totally divine timing and divine connection. It's so good. So wonderful. I love it. I absolutely love it. So your book. Having a love fest. <laughs> I mean, we need it after all of this crap we've been yeah, through. It's true. It's true. 100%. So your book is hilarious and amazing and super informative and it's very aggressive. And I love that because it reminds me of me. <laughs> it is. It's in your face. It's like, uh, it's like half memoir and half how to, you know, mm-hmm. and the reality is like, I, um, there are a couple of reasons, a couple of things happened for me while I was writing it. First of all, I can't tell you how many times, I mean, thank God, oh my God, I can't believe this. Thank God my dad's dead. He would be rolling. He would <laughs> hate the idea of this being out in the world. That would not really be his cup of tea. I'm not I did lie, but about it with your title saying like how I stopped fucking randos. Like I was like, I love it. It's authentic. It makes me giggle, but my yeah. dad would be happy. Give I me mean, <laughs> I was, it was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable to even, my brother actually left me a very nice review on Amazon and my mom, they were both like, <laughs> they were both really supportive and they knew, you know, I told them like, look, there, you may or may not want to read this. I'd love it if you can. It might be weird. I don't know. But you know, the reality is um, on those days where I second guessed myself and thought, what will my family think? What would my dead dad think? What would all, you know, what would everyone think? I thought, you know what? The reality is that there are women out there that are struggling with patterns, these painful patterns in their relationships with like dating these fuck boys over and over again with the inability to set boundaries and change their lives. They need to hear this story I have to tell so that they know they're not alone and that there is like some action they can take to try something else. So like it over the course of writing it and like in the, you know, two weeks before I published it where I was like, oh my God, am I really about to do this? I'm like, Yes, I am, because somebody out there really, really needs this. <laughs> yes. No, 100%. Um, before we started actually formally recording, I was we were talking about how um, what this would have meant to me in my 20s versus you and Nicole. We're all very different, whereas I was like, you know, I, I, I don't know what I didn't know. You know what I mean? So, like, all this stuff was kind of new to me. I didn't think about any of this. Thing. I didn't think about relationships and how potential past relationships impacted future, all this fun stuff. I never wasn't really yeah. in my contrast. So I wouldn't know how exactly I would have reacted to it. I mean, I, I 
feel like I do wish I would have read this in my twenties, but I don't know if I would have, um, if I would have taken it to heart. Like I probably would have like read it for a little bit. Like I probably, you know, I do this with a lot of self-help books. Actually, I read like the first three pages, and then the minute it asks me to do writing, I'm like, bye. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I think, my favorite part about your book is it actually asks you to like get seriously involved in what it is you're doing, not just think about it, but literally, like, hold yourself accountable and write stuff down. Yeah, and, and you know. I love that too, because part of, part of the title is it's called relationship ready, because I do really think that there is a difference uh, when we're dating and when we're out there in the world, we bring a different energy to the experience when we're just like out there fucking around and dating, right? It, to when we're looking for someone to be in a long-term relationship with. So yeah. I do make sure in the beginning of the book to give a caveat. Look, if you're having a great time fucking randos, keep doing it. This book is very much not anti-fucking randos. No, like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just make it very clear. That's not a bad thing if that's yeah. how you work. If it's how you yeah, do if things. you're having a great time, yeah, and it honors your authentic, like your capital T truth, your authentic self. Then keep doing it. But what I know happened for me was that you know I thought it was honoring my authentic truth, and then when I realized that it was no, that fucking randos was no longer in alignment with what I really wanted, I was stuck because I'm like, oh shit, the only tools that I have from fucking randos are like swiping left and right on Tinder. And that's not really getting me to this place to be in a long-term sustainable committed relationship. And so like I had some work to do. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like your advice is coming at a perfect time for me because quarantine initially made me go on a man diet anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good time for a detox. Just the tone. I wish you people could see your face. <laughs> Furious, this was the universe telling her she would do something she did not want to do. Oh, I, well, oh my god, I'll tell you about that. Well, I mean, I always laugh that I'm like the queen of first dates because I rule people out so quickly because I know what I want. But then at the same time, then I get like frustrated and lonely and want some companionship. So then I end up spending time with somebody who's still not right. He's like Mr. Right now or whatever. Uh. And totally. it's and Mr. Afternoon Delight. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's it's still not fulfilling. It's still not working, right? Yeah. Oh, so totally. Ultimately, it would benefit me to uh, you know, go through the process of being truly honest with myself because yeah. I'm going through motions right now. I'm not necessarily going through honesty. Yeah, no, totally. And I mean, here's the thing. So I want to tell this little story about how I ended up actually doing this work. So I had been that look, the book does talk about my journey into sobriety. Not everybody has to be sober to do this work. I very much needed to be sober to do this work. I wouldn't have gotten. <laughs> I don't need to be. <laughs> you don't need to be. Um, so, I think it's because I was like two years sober, right? And the last two vices I really had in my back pocket we're parking illegally and fucking whoever I wanted, right? So I'm like racking up parking tickets left and right and because I'm like making all these booty calls and I'm like, I don't give a shit, you know, because I'm like, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do any prescription drugs, I don't do any illicit drugs. Like I don't like, I fucking go to work when I'm supposed to go to work. Like I'm so over this, you know? So I really was in this mindset of like, I do what I want when it comes to parking illegally and fucking randos. And so I had- <laughs> Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to park do. park my I'll car. Do <laughs> don't you tell me where to park. That's right. I'll park wherever I want to. I don't care if I block your driveway. I don't give a shit. So, uh, so I had made this arrangement with this guy that we were just going to get together and get down. And at the time, it felt like, oh yeah, that feels really good. I've seen Sex in the City. I'm an empowered woman. I do what I want. Blah blah blah. And you know, after a couple of months, like he broke up with his girlfriend. He was at the time he was involved with a woman. I didn't really care. He didn't really care. So you know, a couple months later, he broke up with her. And then he came to me and he was like, you know, I, I don't know if I can keep doing this with you, just getting together and getting down. I feel like I'm objectifying you. And I was like, well, you know, we could like go to dinner and get down, but that would be a date. And he was like, well, I don't want to date you. I was clear with you from the beginning. I don't want to fucking date you. And um, in that moment, like the bottom fell out for me, you know, because I was like, oh shit. I wanted him to all along. What I really wanted was for him to dump her and choose me. And that sucked, you know, like it sucked to realize that the arrangement I had made with him was really not authentic or aligned with what I was really searching for. And so I walked out of his apartment. I called a girlfriend who had done some work. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm done with this. I'm so done with this guy. And she was like, well, I have some work for you to do, but if you're going to do it, I need you to do like 
some time. You can't have any one-on-one -on -one time with men. You're so addicted to the attention you're getting from men that if you want to do this work, you have to promise me that you're not going to like start texting guys directly. That you're not going to spend any one-on-one -on -one time with men. I mean, y'all, I was so desperate and I was like, I'll do anything, you know? So I agreed, which was crazy. And I agreed because I thought it was going to take me 30 days. I thought I'm going to do a 30 day dick detox. That's going to be great. And then my life's going to be different. <laughs> And I, I called it awesome. a man diet. She called it a dick detox, and I like that better. <laughs> <laughs> but she's also been on the category in the subject of dick detox. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, I'm coming like, from the the dick on delivery standpoint <laughs> at the moment, so <laughs> need to move on to the yeah. the dick on detox. She's actually gotten it's gotten so bad that she just gets it delivered to her door. Just to her door. Well, I mean, here's the thing, right? Is that in the beginning of COVID, I feel like so many people were like, okay, great, I'll just do a little man detox. What's COVID? What's this going to take? Like what, three months? You know, and here we are, like, well, in Portland, on the West Coast, anywhere, we're like still nine months into staying at home and every, you know, so it's like. Oh my God, what, and it's kind of similar because what started for me, this, this willingness to do this for 30 days, it took me 11 fucking months to do the work that I outlined in the book. You know, it doesn't take everyone that long. It took me that long because I'm like stubborn and insane, you know, and um, Wait, so I ended on. up being a- You hmm. can't just change 30 years, 20 plus years of <laughs> habit in 30 days. It's impossible. And if you do, you're fucking lying to yourself. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's true. It takes longer. It, it, Thank it, it you. takes longer than that. Yeah. No, so it ended up taking no. me almost a year. So whatever. <laughs> almost a year. Yeah. Probably take me three. Shit. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but that is, I mean, the beautiful thing about what I've outlined in the book is that it's really, it's hard work, but it's pretty simple. So everyone can do it if you're, if you're willing to do it, but it is, it's not easy. It's painful to look at this stuff. It, it sucks. It's hard. Right. That's yeah. Not, it's not that it's not easy to do because you won't have answers. You're not going to like the answers that you write down. Yes. No, you are not. And in fact, I would encourage you to have like a pillow to scream into when you do the writing. <laughs> it hurts to look at the stuff that you're writing down, you know, but, but the, but the payoff is that months later, you know, I was no longer swiping through Tinder, you know, to get to the fifth picture only to like turn it sideways and go like squint like, well, I mean, he is wearing a flannel and like he does have <laughs> a dog so i guess i'll swipe right you know it's like there no. is something about the dating apps where you only get a like the algorithm is set up where you only get a couple of good looking ones initially and yeah. then you don't end up matching with them or they don't message you or whatever so then you end up deep into this dark tunnel <laughs> and then you're like the best of the best is the dad bod with the fish I mean, it is so hard. It's like, we don't settle. That's the hardest thing. So I always feel like some women, I occasionally talk to a woman who's like, I rule people out too quickly. And I'm like, I really don't believe that's a thing because so many of us end up settling for someone who doesn't light our heart on fire because yeah. we're like, you know, culturally we're like conditioned to give men like the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they have a great personality. No, I want you to want to jump this guy's bones when you see him on the dating app. That is what we want. That's what sets yeah. our, you know, my girlfriend, Sandy actually has a fantastic metaphor for this. Like when you go shopping at Nordstrom back in the day, when you could like go peruse the racks, right? Back you know, in the day, nine months ago. <laughs> nine months ago. Just, we haven't even been shoe shopping on a whim. Dramatic. You know, when you didn't, you didn't to cover yourself in hand sanitizer and like put six masks on, right? You could like, Imagine a world in which you can just go to Nordstrom and look at shoes. Which you can leave your house without a mask and formally enter a store without it being a problem. <laughs> without determining whether you're the sixth or the tenth person in the aisle, right? So, um, but she's like, look, you know, she's like, look, when you're at Nordstrom looking at shoes, you don't fuck with shoes you don't like. If you are a woman who only wears high heels, you're not looking at fucking Birkenstocks. So why would we have this kind of standard around shoes and not around our partner, our search for our man, yeah. our part, right? Or our you know, man, whatever. One of the things I like about the, this book is that uh, although I speak about the, in the heteronormative context, because that's my experience, I really believe that the advice and the suggestions that are contained within are applicable across gender identity and sexual preference. So I just always like to make a little note of that too. No, yeah, yeah, that is an important note. I, I agree with you, like, because of wanting the male attention, you're like, well, at least I'll go out on a date. <laughs> like, at least I'll get out of the house. Like, I'll, right. you know, at least like you want somebody to tell you you're pretty or whatever, mm -hmm. right? But it really isn't that fulfilling, no. you no. know, in the long run. Um, 
And so, yeah, you start like my filter when I like look at the apps. I'm like, do I want to fuck this guy? No. <laughs> Good. That's like what that's it why. Be. <laughs> <laughs> because too many of us have settled for partners that we don't even want to fuck that we are like repulsed by. You know, there was a time when I looked at a guy. You know, when I did all this writing and my inventorying of my partners, I cannot tell you how many lines I had of men that I was like didn't even want to kiss him, was totally repulsed by him. You know, like, I was like, you know, because it's crazy. So especially for women who have a pattern of getting involved with men who like, they're not even really that attracted to, I'm like, no, the top of your list has to be, I want to make out with this guy. Yeah. Can yeah. you look at this person and stand them? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and their most natural state of nothingness. Can you stand this person? Now, do you like this person? Yeah. Oh man, there was, um, there was a couple of, since we're talking about like guidelines, right? Yeah. You had a couple of rules or I'll say suggestions uh-huh. in the book about, uh, who you should spend your time with if you do want a relationship. Again, no one's being shamed if that's, if they only want a date or whatever right. they want to do. Mm-hmm. But if that you're really fun. serious about finding Mr. Husband, mm-hmm. then... <laughs> Then you were saying, like, um, make sure that they're emotionally available, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. And I have a hard time figuring that out before meeting someone. Uh, I know. It's really, you are going to have to do, that's, okay, there, there, one of the things I could talk about ad nauseum, I could talk about this all day long, is availability. Wait so, are you trying to have another way to, like, mark people off of your list without having to physically meet them? Is yes. That's what you're doing. Yes. I okay, think so. so what yes. she's doing here. <laughs> Is trying to create another checklist item that she can tick. Yep. Here's another way. Further from the universe. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And actually, this is important because, okay, I personally had a habit of always falling for unavailable guys. I, the internet makes it super easy to meet guys, you know, to talk to guys who are not um, like even in your state. Right. So like I came, I don't know how old you are. I, I just turned 40 last week. So I can't, or not last week, oh my God, July. I turned. <laughs> That's what this year feels like. Last week was July to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you know this, but yesterday was April. So. like this time even exists anymore. I don't know. Okay, so I turned 40 okay, in July, right? Good. So it's like, uh, so I grew up when I was 13 or whatever, AOL was on the scene. And you know, you had the dial-up modem, you got these chat rooms going. You're talking to people that you don't even know, that you can't see, that you don't know where they are. And I was enamored with the idea of being somebody else because like I could talk to someone who was, who didn't know who I was, you know? Um, and so I started falling for unavailable guys from the jump. That was like my, my first crushes were guys that were not even anywhere near me, right? So they when I, they, they might not have, who even knows, right? So, I mean, I feel like, you know. <laughs> Yeah, no. She just had a cringeworthy moment of yeah, she didn't realization. realization. <laughs> oh dear, I'm sorry. That wasn't the first time you thought about that. <laughs> Could have been all kind. Who knows? So, um, <laughs> like, I did cringe. Like made that little cringe emoji face. Um, so, uh, oh, so when I did all this work, I realized for me it was super important that I had to date guys who were available. And there are three types of availability that I look for in a man, or that I looked for in a man when I went back to dating. The first was he had to live near me because honestly, even before the last guy that like really the whole bottom fell out on, I was dating a guy who was a German national who lived in Nepal where they like barely had any electricity. And I was like on the West Coast in Portland. There was like a 10 hour time difference. We could never connect. And then we started to like rendezvous in places like Las Vegas and Amsterdam. The relationship that we had was very much not based in reality. When right. We're like flying to Las Vegas to have a weekend together or flying to Amsterdam. It's like, you were like well, he- on The Bachelor. Honestly? <laughs> okay, so I'm very much into 90 Day Fiance and the, and the like, whole suite yes, of yes. shows. Mm-hmm. And now they have the Darcy and Stacy, mm-hmm. and they're the twins. And I do not watch 90 Day Fiance. I feel like I'm the only person on the planet. No, it's totally fine. Because okay. you're not. Trust me. Okay. But anyway, there's these disaster twins that they have. Uh-huh. And they have the same thing that you were looking into. And that was like uh, being in a relationship at a distance. Because you could control mm-hmm. that relationship. And what they saw of you. And yes. how they saw you. And how you were being perceived. Yes. It's control. See, but I wouldn't like. Like from a long distance perspective. I wouldn't like not knowing when I was going to get dick again. I would end up cheating is what would happen. 
So well, that like, happened too. I mean, there is like a lot of people <laughs> I mean, supplement yeah. their long distance with like a sides, you know, a slice on the side here at home or whatever. <laughs> no, I just, I truly, truly do love that advice of making sure they're local. That's Look, so they gotta be local. If you're looking for a relationship, the person has right. to be local. Because right. it like totally blew my wig back when I learned that like, when I did some talking to like stable, normal adults that were having successful relationships and they were telling me like, oh my God, people only do long distance when they've already been together and like some kind of weird thing happens, like somebody's dying in their family or they get a job. Like people don't start long distance. I was like, 90 day fiance does. You should watch <laughs> it. It's a disaster. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yes, it's good. That's great advice for people who don't believe this piece of advice that I'm giving about them being local. Watch the 90 Day Fiance. Yeah. How it turns out. Just like well, anything that you mentioned in this book, there's certainly a couple that you can correlate to the bad well, part. It's there. It's all there. Yeah, and I mean, and you were wondering how old we are. So I'm 37, and I just don't have the energy. I'm 35. To, to I deal lost, with just, long distance anything like. We need to be in the same time zone, boy. Like, yeah. I can't deal with, like, yeah. oh, let me calculate back three hours and stay up till 1 a.m. so that I can talk <laughs> yeah, to you no. because it's 11 a.m. or 11 o'clock your time. Like, no. no, I can't do it. I'm too tired. No, no, and that's the other thing. You're absolutely right. Like, so much of your mental energy gets drained on trying to manage how you can communicate and see. Like, it's just, it takes you out of your real life. So uh -oh. the first rule of availability is he must be local. The second rule is he must be single. So this sounds, like, very simple, like, no, because that's why there's an it's complicated status on Facebook to begin with. Yeah. So I cannot tell you how many women I work with that are like, oh my God, but he just got divorced. And honestly, he was a total saint and she was a real bitch. And like she cheated on him, blah, 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 blah. Look, even if this guy is recent, like even if he is a saint, which I always find that hard to believe, um, he has something to own about the fact that he chose a woman who treated him that way and cheated on him. So like everybody who gets divorced, like look, as a divorcee myself, I will say nobody who gets divorced like had a fucking awesome marriage and great communication skills, right? People with those things don't end up divorced. So like anyone who gets divorced, whether or not they're at fault, has some work to do around the baggage that they've got from being divorced. And I would say that that takes about a year generally to work through. Yep. My therapist or our therapist, we see the same therapist. Oh my God, um, I love that. Stop it. I'm like, are they doing face calls? Can I see them too? Can I do yeah. that with them as well? Sure can. And I recommend her highly. <laughs> no, my therapist has the same thing because. The therapist. Um, <laughs> you guys should have the therapist on the show. By the the therapist. She, she would be great. She would love it. She would have a great time. But she says the same thing. Like, if I'm talking to her about dating stuff or, like, trying to work through things or whatever, like, she asks those simple questions. <laughs> and then you realize, you're like, oh, I guess Ooh. maybe he's not ready because he is, <laughs> like, separated and not divorced. Like, or whatever the case may be. Like, yeah. yeah. And it's crazy because you're, like, so wanting some sort of attention. Uh, and it's so, like few times that you actually click with someone that when you do you're like I need it it's a void like please fill it like help me and it's like look let's just call a spade a spade right it's hard when like some hottie is blowing you up and he's like oh my wife just left me or I'm divorced and, and you're like oh my god you know but like trust me give them the space like, give him the space to get his shit together. And, like, if you really have a connection with him, he'll come back. Like, I truly believe this. That if we, like, let let things go, they'll come back around to us if if they're destined for us. If it's really, like, if you're, you know, if it's really supposed to be. So, those first two types of availability are super, those are pretty easy. You can tell off the bat if someone is local. And you can tell off the bat, or usually within a few questions, like, whether someone is actually single. The third type of availability, emotional availability, this one takes a little bit of, information gathering I've figured it out <laughs> quite quickly after it's been like a two-date thing I'm like nope you have to actually interact with this human being in a personal setting kind of fully understand their mental wherewithal kind of <laughs> kind of well so like in a recent situation um, this guy told me that he hadn't been on Bumble for very long, 
um, that he had was in a relationship for like eight months or something. Mm-hmm. And but I didn't ask, like, well, how long have you been out of the relationship? Like, I took it's it like for granted 24 hours on Bumble, which means he's ready, yeah, to date, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, he was not. He was yeah. not ready to date. Mm-hmm. So, ready. you know. And how did you know that he was not ready to date? Did he tell you or did he ghost you or did he? He, he ghosted me, but I knew he was uh, ghosting me. Yeah. And so I tested it. I said, I, te- I sent him a text message because he was always um, initiating texts. I never did. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Tested yeah. it. I'm going to test my theory here. Yeah. That's right. I mean, I feel like anyone who's dating needs a magnifying glass, a detective hat, like a theoretical. Yeah. You got to test you're, your theories. It's you're a goddamn PI. <laughs> you so are. I, I, uh, I tested a marriage it. certificate and a PI <laughs> license by <laughs> yes. the time you're done. When you get married, they should be like, here's your marriage certificate. And also, you are now a certified private investigator. <laughs> right. Right. Um, get that certificate if you actually get married. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise you're a sucky PI, apparently. Um, <laughs> but no, so this guy, I tested him because he was always initiating texts with me, and then he kind of slowed down. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, oh, this motherfucker's ghosting me. So mm-hmm. then I sent him a text just like, hey, how's it going? And he didn't respond, and it was like, Nothing. confirmed ghost. Yes. So, then, <laughs> so, so, yeah, so then Good. the next day after that, I was like, clearly you're ghosting me, but I'm a big girl. I, you know, like I thought we had a really good time. So I'm a little confused. Like Mm -hmm. if you could just be honest, let me know what happened. And all day to respond to me, but he responded and just said that he uh, was still hung up on his past relationship and issues and things that he had had with his ex. You know, Mm. and I feel like we should 2021 stop ghosting, start talking. To be honest. I mean, truly, truly. Well, and, like, that's the thing, right? Like, somebody who is a grown-up and, like, can handle themselves can, you know, because here's the thing that makes me nuts about ghosting. It's like, look, it, exactly, it's almost 2021. Everybody has, I used to say, like, you have your phone with you all the time unless you're, like, a fucking surgeon. But the reality is, like, even a brain surgeon has their phone with them all the time. And, like, they have an assistant that they can be like, text my wife, blah, 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 or text, whatever, right? Like, they, nobody does not have access to messaging. And so, like, I just don't believe it when somebody's like, I'm just so busy at work. Like, fuck you. I used to work a regular cubicle job, too. I know what it's like to, like, message somebody under your desk. Like, if I wanted to get back to you in a timely manner, I would sneak around my office and find a way. To, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I just feel like this bullshit standby of, like, oh, I'm really busy is, like, that's not the truth. And, like, if we could just all be grown-ups here and talk about it, we could. But knowing that people, for some some reason, just knowing that people who cannot surface and say, wow, you know what? Turns out I'm really still hung up on my ex. Knowing that somebody can't say that, to me, it helps me take it less personally. Because it's yeah. like, you know, this person just can't even, they're just, if they can't even tell me where they're feeling about their ex, then, like, then they're not really available to be deeply and madly in love with me anyway. It's Bye. Because initially I was kind of bummed because I was like, oh, I actually like this one. Like there's so few times I actually like a guy, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's why I even pressed it because I was like, I'm super confused. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. and I was a little bummed. But then once he told me that, I was like, okay, moving on. (laughs) Totally. I I wish we could normalize. Like, I think another part of the problem is that people that ghost people are not willing yet to admit what the actual problem is for themselves. And so ghost you because they don't want to admit that they have a reason for ghosting you. They're just going to do the same thing, move on to the next person. Right. Because they're emotionally immature or emotionally unavailable. And one of the things I think is so great about what Nicole just said is that like, and one of the things I learned after I did all this work, I got really grounded in like, who I am and what I want. And it made it much easier for me to go, look, if you don't, I have this list of ideals. This is what I'm looking for. And I'm going to embody these ideals. Meaning that like, if I'm looking for a guy who is financially stable, I'm going to get my financial house in order. If I'm looking for a guy who goes skiing, then I bought some ski boots and like binding, whatever you need to go. That's a bad metaphor. I don't even know. I don't even know where you need to go skiing. We had a guest, we had a guest agree to go snorkeling in Hawaii. Or scuba diving in Hawaii. She'd never been before. She went panicked. What? So the, well, what she's talking about is that the guest was referencing a story from her 20s. Oh, right. When she met up with a guy and this guy was like, hey, you want to come on vacation with me? And she was like, fuck it. All right. And then pretended that she knew how to scuba dive. (laughs) 
Because that's what the guy wanted to do. And then when she was in the water, had a full-on panic attack, had to go to the hospital, and then just left him high and dry and didn't tell him that she even left Mexico. Wow. Hawaii or whatever it was. Whatever. But but I mean, right? So that is the thing about emotional availability and like and being available, like being a grown-up and being some emotional maturity, right? She's couldn't do it, right? So it's like so it's really interesting because once I did all this work and I got grounded in the shit, you know, of like knowing who I am and like how badass I am and knowing what I'm looking for, I started to like go back to dating. All right, like I told you, it took me 11 months to do the work. So you better fucking believe that once day, you know, 11 months and one day came around and I was like ready to go back to dating. I like thought I'm gonna open my front door. My perfect match is gonna fall from the sky. He's gonna be <laughs> like, right. You know, I felt very entitled, right? I've taken all this time off dating. Where's I'm my ready. I dare you universe just drop him right on me I'm a strong girl I'll catch him I'll cradle him you know whatever so um but that is not how it happened I dated a series of bad I went on a million bad dates and actually I learned to fail faster at my bad dates so like one example of this was that I went out with this guy and we met at a park which sounds weird but it wasn't weird at the time and um he like made me dinner at this park it was weird. It was fucking okay. weird. I, All right. <laughs> I feel like I was going to try to justify that by being in the Pacific Northwest because some people up here are like, oh, yeah, what? it was weird. So we went to this park and made me dinner. And, um, and then he was like, oh, you know, you want to come back to my place? And I was like, um, okay, but I wasn't really, I should have said no, but I was like kind of curious about, you know, whatever. But I had decided for myself that I was going to wait to like fuck anyone until we were serious. So I was like not down for fucking randos anymore, right? So we go to his house, we start making out a little bit. And he's like, you know, he wants to like go to the bone zone. And I'm like, um, I'm not interested in, like, I'm not doing that. And he was like, oh, come on. What's the worst that can happen? I mean, okay, first of all, like, give me the hard sell. Why don't you? Like, <laughs> what's the worst that can happen? You're about what's to worst? see, bud. <laughs> yeah. You ain't getting in nothing. <laughs> I'm out. I was Maybe like, I don't know, you know, like. I don't know, you could like murder me and then chop me up into a million pieces and stuff me in an oil drum. No one would ever find my body. I mean, you could like, it got yeah. real dark real fast, right? You know, so I'm like, but I'm sh- shouting all this stuff at him about what's the, what I thought the worst that was going to happen. Like, maybe. <laughs> I know, right? I could get pregnant. I could get like some kind of, you know, I could get a disease. Like there's a lot of bad things that could happen. And so- Do you have a child? I- I'm fertile. <laughs> Truth. And so I like shouted this stuff at him as I was picking up my shit and walking out the door. And the thing that was kind of miraculous about it is like, that's the kind of guy a year earlier, I would have been like, oh, whatever, I'll just sleep with them. And then I would have spent six months trying to deter, you know, six months fucking around with this guy who like clearly couldn't hear my boundaries, who couldn't show up for the, for like an emotional and mature conversation, who was manipulative and going to guilt trip me into having sex with him. A year prior to this, I would have done that and wasted six to nine months chasing this guy, right? But in the moment I realized, fuck this, this guy does not understand the goddess that I am and he doesn't meet this list of ideals that I have. And so I do not have fucking time for this. Bye, next, right? So it was like, I talk, like I feel like entrepreneurs talking about like learning to fail faster. But when I really got like clear on who I wanted to be in a relationship with, I started to fail faster at dating. <laughs> That's why I said I'm the queen of first dates because I'm yeah. like, nope. Next. Nope. She's like, nope. it's like Tinder, <laughs> but in real life. I, okay, it's so I a good strategy. Yeah, yeah. I, I am not a proponent of somebody. I don't know what I want. Sorry, Nicole. Okay. It's concerning. I see a little. I've got this water she's, bottle going right she's now. She's always so fidgety, but we don't normally <laughs> sit this close together. You know what's fucking <laughs> amazing is I didn't realize I had ADHD until I met Nicole. <laughs> I can sit He's still. Like, um, normal people don't. Other people don't move around. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Like my whole family is just like me. So it's normal and fine and totally fine. And then like, you know, I was around people I just didn't pay attention to. But I I finally noticed in my mid-20s. I was like, something's going on. I gotta figure that's, this out. That's a good friend. That's a good friend. Yeah. Because, you know, well. She taught me how to be a good friend. I, I Well, thank you. I appreciate that. But I also get very easily irritated. So... I have to, I have to communicate it, otherwise I would explode. (laughs) I'd be like, give me a (laughs) touch. She'd take it from me and then not know what to do with it, and then just pop me in my eye with it. Actually, you would have to take it back so that it could be like messed with properly. Totally would. Trust me, it'd be hilarious. (laughs) 
anyway, so we were talking about being in our mid twenties, and I mm-hmm. honestly cannot tell you. I don't. I did not know what I wanted, mm. or I didn't know if I cared about what I wanted. Yeah. Or who I did or did not want until like my early thirties. Yeah. And I didn't know I needed boundaries. I didn't know that was going to be good for me. You know those things like I just. Yeah. So what do you think when people are like listening to this and they're like, oh, I don't really have a person in mind of who I think I want to be. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I think that this is what you're talking about is exactly why I think no one should get married in their 20s. Right. Like, from the rooftops, from the rooftops. Nobody who gets married in their 20s, I don't know, maybe not nobody, but I got married in my 20s and I had literally no idea what I was looking for. And I really was only doing it because I had this opportunity to marry this guy. All of my friends were getting married. Some of my friends were starting to have babies. I'm really grateful I didn't just like start having babies too because I I didn't have any clarity on whether or not I wanted them. So there is something to this process of like, look, we have to make some mistakes. We have to like try these relationships. We have to do a little bit of testing to see what it is that we we do and do not want, right? right? And so, but what I've learned in my 30s is that I have started to really think of dating as more like, an information gathering process. Yeah. Like, because, and having an ideals list of what I'm looking for helps give me a benchmark. So I'm like, I know what kind of information I need to collect. And it's really useful for me to remember that I can always change my mind, which as somebody who in in my twenties, I just always thought like, oh, I make this decision. I'm locked in for the rest of my life. You Mm -hmm. know, I gotta like, I gotta make a career path. I gotta make a, uh, like a life path. I gotta, you know, and like the reality is like, the point of dating is that we get to know somebody we ask some questions, we kind of assess like how well do we get along with them? Are we attracted to them? What kind of answers are they really giving me? Like, what are their words actually saying? You know, and then we get to go, oh, is that consistent with what I want? Yes, it is, then let's go out again. No, it's not, next, on to the next, you know? Um, I don't know, I kind of got on a uh, uh, tangent there, so I'm not sure if it actually answered the question that you asked. Did that answer your question? (laughs) (laughs) No, it did for the most part. Yes, it did. She, She basically was saying she doesn't know what she wants. And you're referencing back to the list and mm-hmm. saying, like, if you take the time to really sit down and put it together. Yeah. No, that- I, I no, no, no. Hold on a second. What I mean is when you what I would have sat down in my 20s and asked myself those questions, I would have said, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea. I don't know. I knew I didn't want kids. That was the only thing on my list says I don't want kids. That's all. Yeah. Everything else. I don't know. I didn't know where I wanted to live. I didn't know. You know, I, everything was just like a blank slate and there's opportunity. For me, everything is an opportunity. It's like mm-hmm. this ability to do something that's, you know, I don't, I'm not a planner in the, in the sense like I anticipate in 10 years, I'm going to have this career path. I'll have right, this right. Career. That, this yeah. is never me. So for people who are like, I know I want things, I just don't know what those things are yet. Yeah. Then that's, then the suggestion I have around that is to just start trying things, right? Like how does dating feel? And actually this is really interesting because I have a couple, you know, it's actually really interesting because it makes me think of actually non-monogamy, which is not really, which I don't talk about in the book. And you would think because of the title I'm not into, or, you know, I have that, like, I don't like maybe have an opinion about, but like, I don't know much about non-monogamy, but there are a bunch of great books like the ethical slut and a couple of other ones that are like really good for, if you're somebody who wants to just date multiple people at the same time and do it in a way that like you feel good about. Right. Yeah. So I would just say like, you know, just, I would actually say, start trying things and see how they feel. And the important thing is not necessarily that those things align with what culture tells you you should do or what your parents tell you you should do or what your family thinks you you should do. Those things need to align with how you really feel about them and what your authentic truth is about them. So if you try non-monogamy and you're dating like five guys at the same time and it feels fucking awesome and it's aligned with who you are, then keep doing that and learn how to learn how to do it more, right? Learn more about it. But I, I think that so much of the pain that we experience is that we have an authentic truth that we can be deeply connected to, but we learn how to ignore it in the pursuit of attention, affection, stuff, men, like, you know, whatever. And so then we find ourselves in a place that doesn't honor what we truly know anymore. And that is where we're like, we get like disjointed, you know? Okay. Thank you. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm glad I could facilitate. (laughs) So one thing, though, that I do want to make sure that we cover is because in the title of your book, you call it Cupcaking Your Soulmates, right? And I was like, 
okay, I have an image in my head of like people spooning, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. what I was thinking of. Strong but cupcakes. yeah, and yeah. it kind of is what you mean in a way. You're basically saying like, you are so into this person that you want to spend all your time with them. Totally. Yeah. Right. So I, yeah. And I, that was, it was risky putting that in the title, right? Cause it's like not really like nomenclature people, you know, it's not like a thing people get like spooning, but, um, I had my husband, my now husband and I were dating and we had been at this like thing, an event and this girlfriend of mine was like, Oh, what are you guys doing? And I'm like, I don't know. We're like going to go get some dinner afterwards and like see a movie. And she's like, Oh, you're cupcaking. And I'm like, Oh, what's that? And she's like, Oh, you know, that's like in the early, you know, that's when you just start seeing someone you want to spend like every moment in their armpit. I'm like, yes, that's exactly what we're doing. <laughs> I remember <laughs> I would like wake up in the morning. You know, I, I like to think about this. Like think about like, you know, when you start dating someone and the first night that you guys spend together, that is like the next day is a work day, not the weekend where you get to like have brunch and avocados or whatever. You know, it's like the day <laughs> that you spend the night in this place. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get your ass up and go to fucking work and you're like right. oh my god why don't why isn't there like federally mandated cupcaking leave people get to stay home from work to take care of sick people i should get to stay home from work to like take care of and cupcake with my man you know so um <laughs> so i feel like that's, <laughs> I'm embarrassed but that's like what cupcakes, you know, it's like oh my god you're just like oh you want to run the grocery store sure oh you want to go to the gas station yeah <laughs> oh you want to like let's just do everything together so that's what cupcaking is. I love it. <laughs> so good. I freaking love it. Um, you were talking about your first hub and mm -hmm. you had started to go into a little bit of story. Do we oh. Have to oh yeah, yeah. There's time because we, we made oh, you yeah. pause, so we're circling back. Yeah. Because your story sounded super exciting. Super entertaining <laughs> because it was the job that you have, you don't mention in the book, right? Yeah, yeah. So, okay, a couple of things. Now, my ex-husband and I were married for five years. We've been divorced for 10 now. And, you know, the reality is, like, I I have long, I made amends to him. I did see him a couple of times after we got divorced. Once was to make an amends to him to let him know, like, look, I didn't I didn't go into our relationship thinking this was how it was going to turn out. Um, but one of the reasons I didn't see him much after getting divorced was that it was suggested to me that I do um, 30 days no contact with him, which I was like, what the fuck? No way. He deserves to know how I feel. I get to know, I wanna make sure he knows that I'm not a bitch. You know, I'm like all these things that I wanted to continue to interact with him about. And I was actually seeing a therapist at the time who was like, you know, Heidi, it sounds to me like you really want closure. And the reality is we don't always get the closure we want, which was like, boom, I mean, mind blowing, right? Um, so I decided that I would take this suggestion. A couple of people were giving it to me and I decided I would take it. And so I did um, 30 days, no contact with him, except via email to discuss logistics of selling our home. And in the aftermath of, of that, I really didn't see him very much, although both of us continued to live in Portland, Oregon, until probably... <laughs> until about five years ago so uh or maybe so wait, did you like run out of your home like look both ways and then like <laughs> <laughs> da <-da. laughs> like pink panther around the streets of portland like waiting for the iron or the iron you know i kind of did uh, I did. <laughs> I, especially because when i left our home when i left our marriage and i left our home i moved in with a girlfriend of mine who lived in the neighborhood like not like next door or anything, but she lived in the same part of town that we had lived in. And so um, when I was living there, I was very much like, oh my God, am I going to see him? I like, I, I don't know what's going to happen. And then shortly thereafter, I moved to a different part of town. And although I'm still in Portland Metro, it was, I've just never seen him again. Like we just never crossed paths again, which was really, I think, um, a gracious universe. gift from the universe. I really, yeah. <laughs> um, thank you. Appreciate thank you, you universe. Know. But the reason you guys wanted me to tell this story is that my job, my last day job I had before I left to do this work, um, was I was a crime analyst for the city of Portland. <laughs> like a freaking yeah, 10 year old over here. We're like crime fanatic. She, she doesn't take dates on Friday. One of her things is she doesn't do Friday dates. Because of Dateline. Because of Dateline, get out of here right now. So I, this is actually really funny because so I worked for a team um, in Portland and actually I have to tell you, a girlfriend of mine had been a crime analyst in Las Vegas. And when she went to go, like, can you imagine being a crime analyst in Las Vegas, right? So she goes to this like open job calling to be a crime analyst and it's like, they're in like the Bellagio conference room or something. And there's like thousands of people in this room that wanna be a crime analyst. And like this like nerdy analyst gets up on stage and says like, you know, taps the mic, is this thing on? And they're like, Hey, you know, the listing is for crime analysts. I just want you all to be aware that there are no blue lights 
Um, there's no epithelial collection. You won't be out like getting evidence. Like this is a job that is done on a computer. <laughs> she said that like legitimately 75% of the people got up and left because they all thought they were going to be out. Because <laughs> everyone thought they were going to be out there like scraping fingernail things into it, you know, yeah. spraying the, spraying the blue light stuff on the blood stains. Yeah, no. So, um, so. Unfortunately, a crime analyst position is mostly just looking at spreadsheets and collecting and coding data. <laughs> That's but, usually what analyst means. <laughs> I know. I was also, I mean, I kind of was also under the impression like, oh, maybe I'll get to do something cool. But um, mostly did a lot of statistical analysis. But because I was working for the police bureau, they had to do a background check of like everyone I've ever met. And so they had to talk to my ex-husband who thought it would be very funny to include in his background assessment of me that he did not think that they should give me a gun. Which was like, I don't know. Why is he still trying to ruin your future? <laughs> this motherfucker. <laughs> you guys are like stunned. I mean, first of all, like, I don't, I don't. <laughs> The audacity. <laughs> this honestly. Yeah, I was like, didn't he take enough of your life away? Honestly. <laughs> I was like, as if, as if I even, you know, and the reality is I'm, I'm someone who's so fearful of guns. I mean, my job didn't require a gun anyway. <laughs> But I probably wouldn't even take one. You know, I'm like, oh my God. So I was irritated that he thought that would be so funny to include that he did not think I should um, be carrying a weapon. But the good news is, show how much he jokes is. on him. Exactly. There were no weapons to be had anyway. <laughs> so suck my lips, bitch. <laughs> how did you find out that that's what he said? How, oh, he texted me. He texted me to tell me that. Oh, by the way, heard from the blah, blah, blah. Filled out your background information. Um, and also let them know that I didn't think you should carry a gun. He, he. Mm. Mm. Here's oh. where's that emoji with just like the lines across their eyes. Like not amused. Could not be less amused, Mr. Ireland. Right. Thank you very much. Thanks, bud. Fuck yourself. Mm -hmm. mm. <laughs> yeah. You're like, don't so, you realize we don't joke anymore? These messages are transactional. <laughs> <laughs> this is record of you being an idiot. I've screenshotted this. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's a good reminder. It's a good reminder. Oh, that's right. Uh, but yeah, so that was the only time that I ever ended up having, uh, that I ever crossed paths with them again, you know? And so it's been really nice to, I think probably for both of us to have the freedom of like, we are not entangled in one, another, one another's lives and that's good. Yeah. And in your, um, in your book, you did use the word entangled and you just used it again. And now I feel like Jada, She's have, are you aware of the Jada Pinkett <laughs> you know, story? Oh my God. I mean, only barely. I, I must've been actually doing something the week that that story broke because normally I'm like, so on top of pop culture, I don't know how I really missed it, but basically she was seeing some other guy. Right. And then like they were friends, but then they were more than friends. She's and then friend. like, Will well, was mad. So yeah so supposedly um her and uh august alcina who's a, a rapper uh started out as friends but it was really her son's friend to begin with yeah and worse. all this came out because august alcina said that will smith gave him permission to date her when in reality no and then they no. didn't respond to any of this but he has a new album out with a bunch of secrets on it and whatever it's like an and usher so album <laughs> So uh, then at Jada's on Jada's show, Red Table Talk, her yeah. and Will go to the table. Oh, and, and, the table, and Will's that. trying to, to like get her to talk about it honestly. And yeah. instead of her saying that she cheated or that she had an affair, she said she had an entanglement. She got caught up in an entanglement. Entanglement. Well, you know, I I thank you for giving me all the details because I needed to know. I needed to know them and I didn't. And I will say that. <laughs> that's what we're here for you. You know? Thank you. I mean, the reality is we might need to schedule one of these calls just like once a week. Just, I mean, just... <laughs> did, did we just become best friends? Because we might have. Yeah. Um, I think so. I think she highlights something that I talk a little bit about in the book, which is that it is really hard for men and women to be friends. Yes. Yes. And I, my whole life spent, you know, of, of course there was always, a, you know, okay. A lot of my life I was like, I'm a guy's girl. Girls are so petty, uh, whatever. Okay. First of all, I'm a guy's girl because I like to get attention from people with dicks and guys have dicks. So let's just call us. That's like, that's the truth. Call space, I, guys. Right. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. 
guys are not any less petty. They are just as jealous and stupid. Like it's we're all idiots. They're it's just fine. as emotional too. Let's be real. Right. Exactly. But there's a reason that guys girls like being guys girls and has nothing to do with pettiness. It has everything to do with anatomy, right? And um it took me a long time to understand that and to like really build a girl gang around me of women that I trusted and loved and became my rider guys. And actually that happened when I finally set aside interacting with men. When I did this work for 11 months, I did not text any men one-on-one. I didn't hang out with any men one-on-one. And so I started to just hang out with women and I hated it. And actually I called the woman who was doing this work with me and I was like, I just hate this so much. Am I going to have to be friends with stupid women like you for the rest of it? And you know what? She was like, (laughs) so gracious about it. She was (laughs) right. Attitude of gratitude. I was being such a dick. And she was like, it's fine. I love you. Sorry. (laughs) I was hungry. (laughs) I wasn't. I was hangry. I don't know. This Dixie Docs is ruining me. I don't, you know. And she's actually one of my very best friends to this day. But because I always would have put my attention on men and like hanging out with the guys, I didn't have a group of women in my life who could love and support me and help me practice communicating and all that stuff. And so, um, that was how, you know, doing this work helped me to build a group of women that like are here for me all the time. And that is so awesome. Um, but, but I also think one of the reasons it's hard for men and women to be friends is that somebody always catches feelings, right? It's, it's just like, I would say 90% of the time, either he's pining for you, which makes you feel good. Let's be serious. Or you're pining for him, which like sometimes feels good in like this twisted way of like, there's chaos and drama and whatever, you know? So it's like, I don't know. I just think like, uh, I limit my interactions with men these days. I'm a married woman. I don't have a lot of reason to be like hanging out with guys anyway. Um, and, and so that's, but that's because like, that's a belief that I, that's really an opinion that I have. And, you know, opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. I, I think I agree with your opinion in regards to how you and your uh, Mr. Husband, handle your relationship currently, especially knowing your background. Right. Right. Yeah. And totally. I would apply probably the same rules to my own marriage as well, whenever that happens. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's the thing too. You're right. Like it has, I have a history of this stuff. So it makes sense for me to be mindful about who I'm interacting with. But I also do think there's like this weird cultural thing of like, oh, men and women, like ever, ever since Friends was in the 90s and like, they all hooked up with each other and they all hated each other at the end right i mean like nothing turned out great so it's like i don't know i just i I think that uh it doesn't hold up don't go rewatch it it's bad it's not i didn't watch it very often either i just knew that they were all entangled i didn't really care (laughs) they were all entangled (laughs) so i yeah i have to agree with you but at the same time i do actually have two best male friends Mm-hmm. that have actually been on the show and it's funny because I've had you know they've been with me for over 10 years now they've been my friends they've been yeah. my brothers they've been with me in art school and all these things and but she's well okay I mean I guess you do spend one-on-one time but she's she's specifically saying like I don't go out of my way to do one-on-one right. time and I'm assuming that if you were hanging out with a guy your husband would be there <laughs> or it would be in a group setting or something like that. No, but so. the the point is the point I'm making is that I have had very open and honest communi- like communication with my guy friends mm-hmm. and they've been with me for a long time through several boyfriends and the boyfriends yeah. understand that these men are part of my life as a support function yeah. they're family to me. Totally. But if my partner is uncomfortable, I hear them mm-hmm. and I make shifts that I think are appropriate based on that need. Yeah. And, I think that's so mature. But then the, the guy friends know why and what's happening. Yeah. Hey, listen, my relationship with you is making them uncomfortable. And so I'm going to back down a little bit from communicating with you right now. Yeah. And totally. we'll go from there. And every time it's always been respected. They heard me, they understood and eventually the the partner in my life or whoever either fades out or understands or realizes that this person's not going to go away and yeah. you have to respect for them. Yeah. But I think it's, no, a matter, I love that. but I, I think it's also, like thank you. But I think it's also a manner, a manner of like ensuring that you're being open and transparent and communicating with everybody involved about yeah. that, that, you know, I don't have a sexual past with my male friends, so there's okay. nothing to reveal. I've never dated right. them. I've never pined that I know of on my end, you know what I mean? Like there's all these things, even if they're not 
I mean, honestly, they, I don't know the truth 100%, but there's always been that open communication and understanding from all parties involved that yeah. there's there, they're all there and everything's happening. And then if anything ever, communication ever happened, then it was always like, this is so you know, this is happening and this is what's yeah. going on. But it turns out those partners who had a discomfort with those friends are the partners who didn't make it because they had a lot of issues internally too. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely hitting the nail on the head, which is that it takes a level of emotional maturity for everyone involved to be above board and talking about right. what's going on. And like, there are like, and there are a lot of people who are capable of that, but there are a lot of people who aren't right. right. So like, I just, sometimes I just put this out there around the men and women being friends thing, just so that like, if you're struggling with it and it's too hard right now to be, to be friends with men, just don't like just right. set it aside for a little bit. Right. Like we, we always get to change our minds. And so if it's working for you right now, that's awesome. If it's not like change your mind, try something else. But yeah, no, I think that's so great. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And since we were, well, the two of you at least had positive notes that we just talked about, we should probably <laughs> shift into added girl what? time. You just, you got laid should probably shift into add a girl time. She's so, um, so dramatic. By delivery, by delivery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so add a girls are things that we're proud of ourselves for, little pats on the back or whatever you want to call it. Um, since we tend to reveal parts of our lives that maybe aren't our proudest moments. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> or they turned into our proudest moments because they're their biggest sisters. <laughs> <laughs> Scuba diving in Hawaii when you don't know how to scuba dive. That's a good story. I want to interview that girl. She's amazing. <laughs> well, I'll give you all the information. Um, so I don't know if you readily have one. Mm -mm. No, nothing good happened. I mean, I can. <laughs> I have one. I'll go first. Okay. You go first. Go through the archives. I, I will go first okay. then. Um, so my birthday was at the end of August. Mm -hmm. And. There's a group of friends that I have hung out with during quarantine once or twice. And then there's a different group of friends that I hung out with during quarantine. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I'll say after, like not since, I haven't seen any of these people like between May and now more than a handful of times, right? Yeah. Collectively, all groups. So anyway, um, it was my birthday at the end of August and I was like, I do kind of want to do something but it's not really a big birthday it's not a big mm -hmm. deal but i also am like trying to you know be cognizant of no yeah. large things, blah 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 so i successfully hosted two get together <sighs> at my house on back to back fridays wow and fridays. not stress myself you, out about having the house clean. huh oh daylight isn't running new episodes right now Listen, so <laughs> She's got it. <laughs> Dayline's on pause at the moment, so it's also, fine. Could I be older? I asked you if you T-vote it. Like, would nobody even, nobody That's even knows what that is? I do T-vote it. You know what's funny? Uh, One of our friends, Mike, <laughs> London Mike, in fact, still has a fucking T-vote that he uses to this day. <laughs> so don't even irrelevant. Very good, very good. <laughs> but yeah, no, but I do, like, I have this um, perfectionism thing, mm -hmm. and I am... We'll, we'll, we'll say I'm OCD undiagnosed and formally undiagnosed and uh, <laughs> I managed to host two get togethers, two separate groups, wow. both were under, well, they're about 10 ish people or whatever each. Yeah. And uh, good work. Yeah. And I allowed myself to kind of like live in the in between disarray between the parties. Like I didn't put everything away and clean it all up and do the whole like start like I let for that week have shit on my counter. It drove me a tiny bit crazy. Not gonna lie, but I did it. She's, okay, so, so good. <laughs> you guys might want to consider having a doctor show because Nicole diagnosed Sarah's ADHD and Sarah's diagnosing Nicole's OCD. And I'm just saying, <laughs> add the therapist in, and the three of you could really. Hashtag <laughs> self-help, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we but, can't afford it. We improve, adapt, and overcome. Yeah, but it's, it, it may sound small, but it's a big deal to me because I'm working yeah. on caring less about stuff that doesn't matter, right? Oh, I so love that. that. Thank you. I, you know, I continuously keep trying to care less about my job as well. Oh, yeah, that's not I mean, that one matters, but not. I don't need to care about it to the extent that I do. No, right? you don't. So, right. I feel like 
sometimes when I want to, especially when I was working in the cubicle life, the corporate life, uh, I would watch The Office just to like try to study up on how to care less about my job. <laughs> good tutorial. Honestly, but all those tactics are gone because you're not in the physical office anymore. So you need to I find know, other ways true. to yeah. distract yourself and then make an excuse to distract. Listen, I got to go water these tomatoes. They've been yelling at me since 9 a.m. And the sun sure. isn't going down, bud. It's, or, <laughs> Everybody it's, going, knows up, it's going down and we need to get water on the tomatoes. I'll be your back. <laughs> the truth. That is the truth. I love it. I love it. Um, all right. Who, who has it? Sarah, do you have the next one or nope. should I go? <laughs> It's a real tight ship here. Okay, uh, I know. I'm like, oh my god. Uh, mine is that I am actually doing some work on um, body neutrality, trying to move out of diet culture and into just accepting my body how it is. And so I unfollowed three accounts on Instagram today that used to make me feel like shit about my body. So congratulations! I think that's a really important step. People forget you can unfollow. Yeah, got to unfollow that content that does not make you feel good. Honestly, I looked at my followers list. I had like 4,000 people I was following for no good reason. <laughs> Clean it 25% out. 25% of those accounts had, aren't even active anymore. Nope. Bye. Yeah, this whole quarantine thing is really uh, spurring a lot of spring cleaning in Digital many areas. Digital spring cleaning. <laughs> oh, yes, a thousand percent. So speaking of. Yes. Yep. I, you your house? No, no, no. <laughs> goes deeper oh okay hey <laughs> listen cleaning my house is difficult okay there's a lot of cat hair yeah <laughs> since quarantine i have neglected my household duties significantly <laughs> see i i would be twitching like i can't like i said i'm in my home all the time like that's why i'm like i, I, I was so twitchy i have to like block <laughs> it out otherwise i'm gonna spend the time i need to be doing work stuff cleaning yeah. Cause I'm a mess. I'm like <laughs> Einstein. I got shit everywhere all the time, but I know where everything's at, so it works out perfectly fine. So my basement is in was in severe disarray because I had mm -hmm. my basement flooded. Um Ooh. and then I had cleaned it and then it flooded again and everything was in Tupperware uh. and tubs and everything. So it wasn't like anything was saturating and getting moist. Yeah. So I did the bare minimum cleanup and then you know my basement is leaky and a fucking stray thong got into the drain and the water came out all over the place and the house <laughs> collapsed because of a thong in the drain. Listen, my laundry, my laundry tub, my laundry sink next to my, yeah. my basement. It's in my basement. I'm having a hard time guys. It's, shut, it's shutting down. I'm running on four cylinders out of six. My basement has the sink, washer, dryer. Mm -hmm. Washer dumps into sink. I can mm -hmm. hear all of the water activity upstairs, but I I had music on really loud. But I and then I something happened and I heard water and I was like, that's not normal. And I run downstairs and the thong had plugged the drain oh. and water was fucking everywhere. Everywhere. And I have two oh. cats. So there's that. So you can imagine the mess. And so I did minimal cleaning that in from there. It was just disgusting and gross. So the other Sunday I woke up and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I put on my fuck it pants, drank a bunch of coffee and I yep. went downstairs and I like insane. got rid of all the thongs. Yes. <laughs> they weren't mine. It was okay. <laughs> oh, no, it's totally fine. But like I cleaned, you know, I cleaned yeah. excess like shit. I went in and I, I found things that were like meaningful and, and it like made me feel really, really good about the fact that I cleaned up my basement. Now I can walk in my basement without, you know, shoes on again. Love it. The good work. Yeah, that was Thanks. quite the ride. Yeah. Um. I, I drive her crazy because <laughs> I take you over here when really the end is over here. And she's like, "Why are we going here? Where are we going? What are we doing?" It's the experience, boo. Just hang on. <laughs> How did I get here? <laughs> so. Um, thank you, Heidi, so much. Oh, so, so much. Your book My is pleasure. amazing. You're thank awesome. You. We're now best friends. BFF so tell everyone how they can find you and the socials and your book and everything again. Yes. Okay. I'm um Honey Bee. I'm at Honey Bee 52. Just the letter B. H-O-N-E-Y-B 52. At um on Instagram, and that's where I spent. That's my main social platform. So find me there. Um, and then you can find from there, you can get the link to the book, but it's also on Amazon. So if you just pull up Amazon and search for, honestly, 
I'm so, I've sold, so, I haven't go sold ahead. that many coffees, go but too, too, bitch, I, go I, all you got to do is type in, you don't even have to type in the full title, just type in relationship ready and I will come up probably third in the list. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. She's like, well, I can't tell why your we'll search history to say fucking rando. <laughs> <laughs> just search my <laughs> relationship ready. You'll find it. So that's on Amazon. It's a bit, like I said, it's available in paperback on Kindle or on Audible. I do think the best way to listen to it, I think the best way to consume it is via Audible, but then you do have to go back and get the, um, the sheets, the worksheets from my website, which is fine. My website is HeidiBCoaching.com. And the last thing I just want to put out there is I do offer one-on-one -on -one coaching for women who are, who are interested in identifying and changing these painful patterns in their relationships. So just send me a DM or shoot me an email if that's something you're interested in. Cause I love helping um, women just like, you know, shred the narrative that they're telling themselves about love and the accessibility of love to them. I love that. I love that you opened yourself up for that. That's amazing. And thank you for That's that. Good. That ring is absolutely fucking gorgeous. Are you kidding me? Look at that rock. Bring that <laughs> ring back up, lady. Oh, wait. This is got after all the cupcaking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, this is just a ring that I got in Sedona that I really like. But this is... Yeah, go up a little bit more. We can't see it. There you, you go. can't see it? Oh, there we go. Now we can. Thank you. Yeah, my husband did great. It's an aquamarine. It's yeah. not a giant diamond. I mean, that'd be a huge-ass diamond. I mean, it's beautiful. <laughs> we'll, have, we'll talk about diamonds another day. So. Talk about diamonds another day. You guys are the best. This was awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your platform with me. I, I just I love it. I had so much fun. Thank you. You too. Appreciate you. you. Got it. Oh, man. <laughs> <out. laughs>